Hi, and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly show about finance, money, and investing. I'm your host, Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. We broadcast locally on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm really pleased to welcome back to the microphone today, Peter Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Independently Owned Financial Professionals. And I'm so pleased I got that out in one go, PJ, without uh, getting it wrong. <laughs> so am I, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the amount of times I've struggled with that one over my tongue. But um, l- listeners, we've had uh, Peter on the show before, and Peter is the Executive Director of a representative body that has, as the name uh, suggests, financial professionals in its member association. And so, PJ, you've been involved with AOFP for quite a long time, haven't you? Uh, 25 years, yeah. I started it 25 years ago. So uh, after seeing that we needed an independent voice within the industry, I had my own financial advice practice in Adelaide, and uh, I thought, well, we need a a representation from the independent side because the banks were taking over and and um, yeah, it was about eighty twenty back then. But today, I'm pleased to say it's it's uh, the the those those ratios are just about reverse. So, so it's good. So I think, like everything, it always takes many many years to become an overnight success in this game. And so, <laughs> I, uh, I I must say, having twenty five years of experience uh, in the association, um, I I feel very comfortable when I ask questions in regard to we've got a, a conference that uh, we're starting to gear up for and by the time we go to broadcast it will have already passed however I think it's very topical that we are interacting with a lot of the politicians that are now in government and people that we were talking to uh, 18 24 months ago that were in opposition and I guess from that perspective PJ have you seen much of a change with the with the new mob in town with the new sheriff Yes, look, look, look. We we had a very bad ten years, um, unfortunately, under the previous government. Uh, they, you know, they, 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 they had their reasons for doing things. We thought they probably weren't weren't reasonable, so we kind of fought them a bit. And we we uh, then um, spoke to the ALP, who were then in opposition, especially Stephen Jones, the minister. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, look, they've 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 done some good stuff for industry it's but it's just it's just that canberra bubble just takes time to do things there because they you know because they kind of live in a some sometimes i think they live on the moon but anyway they um they they just take time to do things there's the bureaucracy there etc but yeah look the uh, the current government has done has done some good things for industry we, we'd hope they would have done more by now but there's certain reasons they couldn't go down that path and uh, we're you know we're happy the way they're going and and we're also equally happy that We've been speaking also to the, to the Liberal Party in recent times, and they've they've kind of realised they probably went too far in, in the past, and they're and they're happy to look at changes, etc. So I think the future for our industry is bright from a political point of view. I think I think both sides realise they overstepped the mark, and there's too much overreach within our industry, and uh, and they're now getting more comfortable to take a step back, because one one of the things we had in the Royal Commission, <clears throat> we had. Um, we had the banks get very embarrassed about about their fee for no service regime they had there. They're mm. taking money out of people's accounts, uh, you know, for, for for services not not rendered, etc. They got caught. They got embarrassed. And then what happened? Hayne put in uh, Commissioner Hayne put in these measures, compliance measures, to stop the banks ever doing it again. But the trouble is, the banks have left the industry, 
and what's been left behind is all these ridiculous compliance issues which are very expensive to uh, implement and they and we and the consumers are stuck with what was put in place to curb you know to curb the bank's activities so we're trying to get rid of those which uh, you know the government realize it but it just it just takes time to do things because these what our problems are are just on a on a long list of um, items the government's looking at so we all get you know, we'll get a bit frustrated that, it's, that things aren't done as quick as we like, but but there are other things in the world than the financial service industry, so we're just going to be patient, I think. So uh, I'll circle back to that in, in a little bit, but um, one of the last things talked about when you were on the show uh, recently was the CFP accreditation, and, and I might um, just go back over that if for uh, our new listeners on the community radio network around Australia, because before we were just uh, local with Radio Northern Beaches, but can yep. you explain to the listeners what the CFP accreditation is yep. all about? Because if they're talking to a financial advisor and they see these initial CFP, what does that mean? Yeah, um, yeah, actually, right, CFS. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, they're... Uh, there, uh, there is a CFP, but there's also a, a CFS. And what it stands for is Certified Financial Strategist. It's the designation we put together about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And what it's about is kind of separating um, separating the best advisors from you know, from the rest. Um, and, you know, and, and the financial service industry is like any other industry. There's good and better and not so good operators. So CFS is about getting the best advisors in, in, in place. And... And we've and we put that together based on the fact that that qualifications just because someone has a economics degree doesn't mean they're a very good advisor. It gets down to a number of other factors in that advisor's personality, which 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 we hone in on. And those factors are firstly if they're independently owned. Now, what what what's the use of being a highly qualified? Uh, credential advisor if you're working for a bank and just selling the bank's products? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Independence is important. So, firstly, you've got to be independent or independently owned. Now, those operate their own license, and they're not and they're not compelled to give advice based on based on someone else saying, "Well, this is what you got to do." Secondly, they've got to have capable research because research is so important, um, and um, and and it's quite conflicted out there with uh, with the research landscape. You've got to make sure they've got, they've got competent research. They've got to have competence, uh, competent compliance. Because if they don't have their compliance in place, now there's a rules put in place by the government, uh, they won't be in business much longer. So, so, so you've got to make sure they have the proper compliance in place. Yes. And the last one is is also PI insurance. They've got to have adequate professional indemnity insurance because things don't go according to plan sometimes, and therefore you've got to the, the investors have to have a have to have a fallback position to actually get their money back or get fees of some description if something goes wrong. Not many things go wrong these days, but they occasionally do. And therefore, you've got to have the PI insurance in place. Also, the third one is they've got to be experienced with direct shares. The the ASX is just the world's just not about funds management. So you've got to be aware of the ASX shares and also the industry fund. Because the industry funds have won the day. They're, they've been at war with the banks for the last 25 years. The industry funds are thriving and the banks are, are out of the industry. So you've got to make sure that advisors know about the industry funds because there's some very good ones out there and they've got to be aware that they put them on the table 
to their consumers saying, hey, well, here is an option uh, and see whether you like it or not. It is a it is a cornerstone, I guess, when you think about it. And uh, that you, we're talking about a superannuation industry now that is over $3 trillion, uh, thanks to uh, the, the work that was done in the 90s. And, and so I guess when you're thinking about the up-and-coming generations where superannuation now and the superannuation guarantee, as it's climbing steadily up to 12%, this is going to be the cornerstone for people's retirements and, I guess, ensuring that the CFS accreditation has that as a cornerstone uh, foundational knowledge component, I think, is absolutely important. And so I, I think that's a, a really good point to, 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 to home in on with, with that CFS accreditation. Peter, I'd like you to comment as well. There's been a lot of um, amalgamation and, I guess, sorting out of different uh, representative bodies in the past six to nine months. Um, what's your view on what's happening in that space? Yes, look, Ray, the last 30 years, it's been, it's, it, it has been a confusing scenario for, for, for the politicians in Canberra because the financial industry is really segregated in, into two major components. You've got advice and you've got product manufacturing. So you've got the people who make the products and the people who give advice on the products. And they're two separate diametrically opposed functions. What's happened over the last over the last 25 years have had a thing called vertical integration, which is virtually the banks having in-house advisors selling their own products. And that has muddied the waters where, where our whole industry is a mixture of product manufacturing and and advice functions, and and they and they need to be separated. So um, currently, at the moment, uh, there's been about there's about fourteen associations representing the financial advice industry. Fourteen, wow! This is just ridiculous, and they and the politicians look at it and say, "What are you What are you doing?" Because 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 there's all different types of there's a accounting kind of based associations, there's in there's banking associations, there's the advice associations, all mixed into this one melting pot, and it's been totally confusing. So so. So we we think the industry should get down to this is financial advice. It should get down to about three or four associations maximum from this fourteen. We're trying to keep out the you know I won't mention names of course, but if, uh, we all know the the associations which, which represent the banks and the institutions, they should stay out of advice because they don't give advice, but they're trying to you know kind of overreach into our industry and and, and look. The same with the accounting associations. They're very good. They should stay with accounting. Accounting and advice are two different separate disciplines. So, so there, so there has been a one amalgamation of of two of two of the larger ones in recent times, which is good. We we think should be three or four associations in the advice space. So we so we we're trying to convince Canberra just not to listen to an association which comes to them who represent the banks because the banks are no longer in advice. And 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 they're the same with accountants. The accountants, you know, the accountancy discipline is different from financial advice. So, yeah, so it's been a jumbled mess, but it's gradually sorting, sorting itself out, which is good. Yeah, I, I guess it, it's a tangled web that we constantly weave. And, and I think if, uh, if the listeners uh, go to their favourite search engine and plug in financial advisor, they're going to get quite an array of, of returns and sometimes, um, and listeners, you need to be wary of this as well because the financial institutions that are involved here and, and given that I am one myself, when you are advertising on these search engines, the people with the deepest pockets are the ones that get placed at the top of the search 
Um, please don't ever feel that when you go to a search engine, you're going to get a, an unbiased result. You're going to get a result that's uh, very much swayed by who's got the biggest marketing budget uh, and is prepared to ensure that the, their name and their company or their association uh, is is the top search result when uh, when you plug in something as as synonymous as financial advisor, Peter. It's um it's about time for a break, um and we will come back. Uh, we're here on dollars and making sense, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, and thank you for listening to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly radio program about finance, money, and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally on the community radio network around Australia. The views, comments and opinions aired during our program should not be construed or viewed as financial advice. Any commentary is general advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether the advice is suitable for you and your personal circumstances. If in doubt, you should contact an authorised licensed financial planner. We welcome questions and feedback and you can get in touch with us via our blog, social media channels or email. Please search for Dollars and Making Sense in your favourite podcast platform or check out our blog at otgcapital.com.au forward slash blog. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dolman to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly show about finance, money and investing. I'm Ray Treveson, your host, and at the microphone today I have... Peter Johnson from the AIOFP. And Peter, I must apologise for my verbal faux pas when I uh, incorrectly named the CFS accreditation with a different letter. It is actually CFS, not CFP. Now, we have a conference coming up that's a, a pretty important conference and one that I think, Peter, in the, the scale of what's occurred in, say, the past two to three years is probably right up there as one of the most important get-togethers that I'd say you've you and the association have put together, a because it's in Canberra, but b because of the people that you've organised that are actually going to come along and talk to the industry as a whole. Can you give the listeners a bit of a view of what's going to happen at this conference and who's going to be there? Sure, Ray. Look, yeah, look, we 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 see it as the most important one because we're halfway through the current parliamentary electoral term, um, and and. Um, Normally, what happens halfway through the uh, the uh, party which is in power probably has a downward spiral with their with their popularity, which is what's happening now with the with Albo and whatever. So uh, I think the next election is going to be very very close. If you look at what happened at the last time, the only reason the ALP got up is they won four marginal liberal previous liberal seats in in WA, which they probably won't get again because of the whole little shift over in Western Australia. So I think this election is going to be very close and, and to pick a winner now, I, I think it's pretty impossible. So it could go mm. either way. So what So what, what that means is the government will be quickly going into election mode very soon. Uh, I personally think the three-year terms in Australian politics is far too short, and uh, whereas in the US, as you know, it's four years, and uh, three years just isn't long enough because they're just getting into it after 18 months and suddenly saying, hell, we have an election in 18 months' time. We've got to start doing things to please please the electorate. So so that's that's what we're going to seize upon. We've got uh, coming to a conference, we've got the Minister Stephen Jones. He's coming along. We've also got um, arguably probably the most powerful person within the ALP, which is the president, the former, uh, uh, the former treasurer, Wayne Swan. 
he's our LP national president and mm -hmm. he's he's instrumental in what on policies etc of what the LP put together so he's coming along also which will, he's also chair of the of of the CBUS super which is which in that industry fund space so we're interested sure. in his views on that and also politically so also from the other side we've got um um the the current um, shadow spokesperson, Will Treasurer, which is uh, um, um, Angus uh, Angus Taylor, and he'll be coming along uh, to give his views on where he sees the financial industry going. Uh, we're very pleased to have him there because, um, really, to be quite frank, the whole agenda last time was run was run by a certain person in a in a seat called Kuyong, who's now left the who's now left the politics, which we're glad to see. Um, and the whole agenda was being kind of run by him. And uh, and um, we think we think the coalition, the Liberal Party, realise that perhaps they went in too, too too hard last time on our industry for certain reasons, which I won't bore you with now. But uh, yeah, so we, we we see this as a very strategic conference. We'll be we'll be in Canberra. Uh, it's a parliamentary sitting week. We start on Wednesday the 29th. We finish on the Saturday night, on the Saturday morning. On the on the on the Friday night, we're having a dinner in in the in the members' dining room in Parliament House, which which is which is the central trough where all the all the pigs put their trotters into. It. So we well, so that's we, interesting terminology <laughs> how, you, how you put it because I'm looking forward to to being at that dinner. And I was commenting to my uh, adult children that. Um, uh, I actually really enjoy going to Parliament House, not necessarily mingling with politicians, but I actually love the building uh, as an yeah. edifice to our to our nation, but also the artworks that are there. And I think it's an absolutely magnificently built uh, uh, place of, of hopefully governing and good democracy. But I, I guess one of the things that um, uh, that I'm always pleased to see, Peter, is that you also invite people from the Greens and also One Nation. Uh, yeah, and yeah. people that are influential in the space. Now, uh, like them or hate, you know, these particular parties and these split groups, whatever your views may be, I think it's a broad church that we then are, are looking to hear from because I think uh, whether you like it or not, everyone's opinion, I think, is worth listening to, even if you may dismiss it. So uh, are we seeing people from the, the minor parties coming along as well? Yes, we've got a we've got a chap called John John Riddick. He's from the upper house in New South Wales, but he's part of what's called the Liberal Democrats, which was the more right wing breakaway okay. group from the from the Liberal Party. He'll be mm -hmm. coming along, and we're just currently uh, speaking to um, to um, um, oh God, the name escapes me. This yeah, we we are we are speaking to 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 one of the Greens. We've we've had them there in the past, but being a parliamentary. Senator Wish Wilson, I think it was last time. Yes, yes, uh, yes we had last time, and we've yeah, we've uh, yeah, he he was there, and he was he was very very impressive. Um, and uh, but the trouble is, being a parliamentary sitting week is good that we're there, that they're all there, but they're all busy. So we've so yeah, we've got to plug them in. So we've got some last minute entries, and they said they'll come and speak to us just just based on uh, um, we we'll, uh, they can't really tell us until the week before. Which is where, uh, because they don't know what they're doing with their party politics and all that type of stuff. So yes, we 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 hope to have someone from the Greens there, and also from from well, it's someone from the Liberal Democrats, and also um, uh, who's the other one we're talking to? But anyway, we've we uh, we're currently just dealing with them, and we're going to try and plot uh, slot them into the holes. But yeah, we we like to hear all all sides of the argument, and uh, and as long as we get a chance to to have our say, then. Then uh, you know, it's it's um 
it's something which we um which we which we value and also we we have we have direct access to some of the back benches sorry some of the some of the cross benches and uh, that that that's handy for uh, yeah, I, I was actually I was actually going to mention because my own member uh, of parliament here in my local district is a lady called Dr. Sophie Scomps, and uh, she's one of the so-called teals. Yep. Um, they don't necessarily like being referred to as a voting block because I don't see them that way. They, they don't appear that way and they don't vote that way. But I think, uh, you know, when you look at the, the credentials of people like Sophie Scomps, Zoe Daniel, uh, uh, Zali Stegall and, yep. and the, the remainder, you know, there are six seats there, six teal seats that are a real challenge uh, and, and in the electoral landscape. I guess none of them have necessarily put a, a big foot forward out of that. Out of all of those, probably the one with the most financial credentials would be Zali Stegall. Would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, I think so, yes. I've, I've, I've met Zali a couple of times and she's very impressive and, uh, and she's, uh, yeah, she's, um, she, She's she certainly is is aware of how we've been, how our industry has been probably hardly dealt by in 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 the recent past and uh, yeah she's she's been very good yeah so we yeah, I, I guess one of the things that we we want to see and I guess one of the questions that I've written and sent to you in advance of you know, what do you see in store for for the industry in twenty twenty four and do you think things will keep on improving or stay stagnant or do you think they'll they'll decline? Oh no, look look. I, I have a very positive future of the industry, mainly because um, what has happened over the last 15 years has induced our, our industry to actually divide by half. We're currently, we had around 30,000 in the industry, say say 10 years ago. We're, we're down to between 14 and 15, but if once you crunch those figures further, just people giving advice, we're down to about 11,500 advisors. Wow. Which is which, you know, which is good for those eleven and a half thousand advisors because there's plenty of business out there. Because, because as you said before, there's a three trillion dollar, um, you know, um, you know, um, superannuation, yeah, yeah, of, of super and stuff. And these people need advice, and you know, and and it's, and advice is critical to their financial position going forward. So, so just purely on those strict numbers, there's going to be a very right future for for financial advice but what we have to do is get rid of all this regulation which is put in place by uh, after Haynes recommendations as, as I said before it's based on curtailing the banks but the banks have gone right? the, which is great the yeah, banks, yeah. Should, the banks we, should be in advice they should we, just we've covered that I guess what's yeah. of interest to me and, and certainly if I get a chance to, to bend Minister Jones's uh, ear at, during the conference one of the things with the advice industry being halved is that the ASIC levy uh, simply gets uh, you know dished out to half the people, and so the costs double. And ASIC seem quite happy to just keep upping the ante on on the fees. And ladies and gentlemen, you may not be aware, but anybody that operates in this industry and is ASIC regulated has to pay a fee to ASIC to be part of the game. And ASIC has this cost recovery model that just keeps upping the costs and. You know, quite oblivious to the fact that that you know, pretty well all financial planners, Peter, we're small business owners, aren't we? When you think about it, of course we are, and the, the, this is what this is what they got to realise because these costs are passed back ultimately to the exactly. advisors' clients, so the consumers are paying, and I just find it quite ridiculous that 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 advisors are paying a police force, in other words, ASIC, 
to come and prosecute them. I mean, where else does that happen <laughs> within society? I mean, it's just it's just bizarre. Plus, also on top of this, if 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 ASIC have any victories in the, in the courts with getting money back out of the banks for that fee for no service fiasco, they got billions out of it. Didn't come back to us advice. Uh, the advice industry went into general revenue yeah, and they still charge us for it. Yeah. Then they charge us for it. I mean, it's just so unfair. So that's definitely on, on the agenda with, with, with both sides of politics. We, we, we want that levy at the best gotten rid of, or secondly, have a independent party decide what it should be. It's just it's it's certainly it's moderated. Totally I mean, this this notion that they can just keep diving in and charging and charging and charging yeah. without any recourse, I just sit and look at that. I guess probably the other big factor that, um, and, and this has raised its head now in a number of discussions that I've had on the show, certainly in the past sort of five to six weeks, is, is since the discussion and uh, you know consultation periods for the $3 million superannuation cap has come out, Peter. It's not so much the $3 million cap that I, I think has, has certainly alarmed me and a number of other people, but it's specifically the notion that the government's taking forward to uh, the industry that they want to tax unrealised gains. I mean, is the association looking at that and lobbying? Because I, I just find this whole premise just astounding that uh, that the, the Labor government's going to go forward and start trying to, to tax us for stuff we haven't made yet. I mean, hey, guys, I, 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 I'm happy to pay my taxes, but I'm drawing the line at that and saying that's a bridge too far. I mean, what's your view on that one? Oh, absolutely. How can you be taxed on something you, you haven't realised yet? And if they don't, if they don't wake up to this, which we're going to push with 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 Wayne Swan at, at our session, um, they're going to be out of power. They're going to be out of power because once people then realise, hey, this is setting a precedent, they can start oh, taxing us on, just... on assets we've got, which we haven't realised yet, and, and and they may go down in future. You're going to give our tax back if suddenly you tax us on a profit oh, which I... we haven't earned yet. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. If they don't change that, they'll be out of power. I'm telling you right now. I mean, now, the, lack of basic, the lack of basic fairness, and, I mean, I've had other people from other associations that, 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 that are tax specialists, and they've been in the industry as long as you – and, and they're just sitting there scratching their heads going, they, they just don't believe that it's come forward out of what would hopefully be reasoned minds. And, and, and again, I had the chance to talk to uh, Stephen Jones in, in shadow when we were down at the Hobart conference, Peter, and I found yep. him to be a pretty reasonable kind of guy. And I tell you, if I find him yes. in the corridors, I'm going to grab him, shake his hand and say, what the hell are you guys thinking? Because yeah. this one just defies any kind of logic. And, and more than anything, they've got to look at that one and say, guys, this one is is a cornerstone of failure, like you've rightly said. You know they're going to be out of power. Oh, absolutely. They so, will be once it goes down the line, and and all the kids of all these people, because the whole thing sold on people with three million dollars in super, therefore that they should pay. But but the other point is that they're. The principle is they're they're attacking capital gains which haven't been earned yet. Now that applies to everyone in society. Oh, so if they see this precedent, they'll try and do it again. And they've got to realise they're on a, they're on a huge loser here. And oh, otherwise they, they, they'll be out of, 
They will be out of power. They're on, they're on a hiding to nothing. That one and yeah. uh, I, I guess another bugbear I've got with you know, stage three tax cuts, but we can leave that for another time. We're just about out of time. Peter, I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon when we go to the conference. Certainly, um, probably over the summer series, I'd like to pay, possibly put something up on our blog about you know the kind of interactions that we're going to have during the conference. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I must say, I, I'm also looking forward to, I, I guess, walking the, the halls of our parliament house it is our building and uh, and yeah. enjoying a bit of time there with you and the and the people at AIFP. yeah peter johnson thanks for being on dollars and making sense thanks ray thanks very much bye